You're listening to the Baby Dust Fertility Podcast, and I'm your host, Hannah Bowers. Now, on to the show. This podcast is sponsored by the Fertility Roadmap, your guide to optimizing conception. The self-paced course teaches you everything you need to know to feel confident on your conception journey. Over six modules, you'll gain in-depth knowledge on hormones, how to track and confirm ovulation, when to take a pregnancy test, and strategic lifestyle shifts that are proven to enhance fertility. You'll also gain access to an exclusive community, monthly Q&As, and bonus downloads. Enroll today for just $59.97 at blissberrywellness.com. Well, welcome back to the Baby Dust Fertility Podcast. I hope that you've been having a wonderful week wherever you are. Today, I'm really excited to be sitting down with Nora. Nora is a preconception health coach, holistic nutritionist, and fertility awareness practitioner who has just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to periods, cycling, preparing for pregnancy, all of that good stuff that we love to discuss here on the show. So Nora, welcome. Thanks so much for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you, Hannah, for having me. I love, love educating and empowering and sharing my knowledge. So thank you for having me on to allow me to provide value for your listeners as well. Absolutely. Well, you know, I think it's really cool. One of the things that was listed in your bio is that you really focus on working with women who are over 30. Do you Mm -hmm. mind really just highlighting, break it down for us? How did you land there? Um, Was there something specific that happened that made you think that that was really the age group to focus on? What was that journey like? Mm. The journey actually stemmed from personal journey, as I think a lot Mm. of our Mm. journeys do in this space. (laughs) So I will be, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. 40 this year. Oh my God. I'm an 83 baby. (laughs) You don't (laughs) look like it at all. Thank you. I I embrace (laughs) my age. I really, really do. But, um, my, my, my specialty in the fertility space really stemmed from my own journey in that I've always deeply desired to be a mom. I grew up with four brothers. I just always had a big family around me. Um, And by the time I was in my early to mid thirties, I was not married, no partner and just doing my own thing. Mm -hmm. And so I was a health practitioner in the space doing more gut health nutrition. And I was a personal trainer, a yoga instructor, like just in love with health and wellness, Mm -hmm. moving the body. And um, by the time I turned 35, I was like, okay, like, my biological clock, quote unquote, is ticking. And I would, you know, what am I going to do for myself to optimize my fertility just as a woman for myself, because I'm probably going to be having babies um, if it happens for me later in life. And that I just had my own personal kind of um, my own personal inkling for me to just like do a little bit of research and see what I can do just to top up on whatever it is I was doing, because as a health professional already, I was very already much into eating, eating very well, exercising. Like I've always really been into health and wellness. So when I started to dive into the fertility space, just for myself, I was like, oh my goodness, there are so many people here who are struggling with getting pregnant. So many women in my shoes waiting longer to have babies because a, they want to focus on their career or B they hadn't found a partner yet. Um, and so that's when I kind of had this light bulb moment to be like, whoa, there's a big gap in Mm -hmm. the space for fertility on what conventional medicine can offer you and what you can actually do holistically to 
quote unquote, preserve your fertility or do the best you can so that you can optimize your body as best as you can. So that when the time does come for you, whether it's natural going through fertility treatments, you can improve your chances, chances with all of those avenues, just by following kind of general preconception, healthy fertility principles through nutrition, diet, lifestyle, all that kind of stuff. Mm, yeah, I love that. Um, especially in context of so many of the conversations that I see happening, uh, which, you know, a lot of how my podcast started, how I ended up in this space is very similar personal journey that really just required me to dig in. Um, but it's that conversation I see all the time of, oh, I'm, I'm past this age and I'm just told that it's kind of just going to be what it's going to be. So do you mind just busting that myth for us for right now? Is it is it true you pass an age and it's just like, oh, well, you're just that you're going on the down uh, with your fertility or can we do stuff to actually improve it? Absolutely. So it's kind of like it's it a depends answer, which usually all my answers are. Well, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, generally speaking, as a woman, biologically, we do we our, our fertility or reproductive years do run out at a certain point mm -hmm. because we do hit menopause. Um, and once you hit menopause, there's no more menstrual cycle. There's no more ovulation. So yes, in reality, there is, there is, there is kind of like a finite timeline that we have, but it is different for every single person. Um, I would say this geriatric pregnancy term that a lot of people use, like after you turn 30 or after you turn 35, this means you're like, you're going to you're going to be this geriatric pregnant person. I hate that term. Mm -hmm. I don't like to use that. Um, from my experience with my own clients, what I've seen in my practice, from the research that I've seen, you can absolutely improve your fertility outcomes. You can improve your menstrual cycles. If you had, you know, very unhealthy, painful, irregular menstrual cycles in your twenties, maybe there was certain things contributing to that, like diet and lifestyle stress. You can turn a lot of that stuff around with targeted nutrition, um, supplement and lifestyle, uh, recommendations. But again, you know, these are kind of blanket statements. It's mm -hmm. really hard to say until you actually start working one-on-one right. -on -one mm -hmm. with an individual, dive into their health history, learn a little bit about, you know, their genetics, their, their mother, their grandmother, what they went through, do some testing. There's, there's, there really is a lot to kind of mm -hmm. be dug into. However, the blanket statement is yes, you absolutely can improve your fertility. I see it myself all the time and I'm, that's what I'm hoping for me. That's, I, that's mm -hmm. the kind of podium that I'm standing on for myself because at 40, I still don't have kids. And I was like, you know, if it happens, it happens for me. If it doesn't, it doesn't, I'm going to go with the flow and what the universe presents. Um, but at least I'll give myself the best option for if, and when that time does present itself. Mm, I love that. And it's, it's very encouraging to, to kind of be given this, what you just said really gives this opportunity that sure there are levers that we can pull things that we can do that can potentially really help in all these different areas. And I think a lot of times that geriatric window, which, oh, I agree. I hate that term. I've heard more and more women get labeled with that term, even before they hit, you know, where I'm at, it's about 35, starting to see it more at 34, maybe even a little bit at late 33. And it's just like this, it's almost like this weight that gets put on top of you. Like a oh. lot of pressure. Yeah. Yes. Like I gotta get there or, or I'm going to be stuck. And that just shouldn't be, that shouldn't be the feeling that we have going into this journey. 
Exactly. Because then you're, you're, you're probably increasing your cortisol levels because mm-hmm. you have all of this stress internally in your mind. You know, we think about this also another term, which is called your biological clock. I mean, yes, there is a finite time because of our biology, this clock also, I don't really like to use that clock term because it's different for everybody as well. Um, but absolutely you, we can change the narrative of all of this. Um, I see it all the time myself in my practice and what, what you do essentially, what I like to say is your fertility is an extension of your overall health, because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, we were born and bred to do this. This is what Mm -hmm. our species is here to do. So when you become the healthiest version of yourself, so if, if you, if fertility is going to be your motivator to literally become the healthiest version of yourself, whatever it might be, kudos to you. Amazing. When it's time to step into that healthiest version of yourself by taking the necessary steps, whatever that looks like for you to become healthier and optimize your health, you will at the end of the day, optimize fertility. And no matter what, I promise you, it's a win-win situation because you will feel good regardless. Mm, Yeah. And that's so true. I think that there are so many wins that happen when we get to that optimal place that a lot of times if we're thinking just fertility and then suddenly all the rest of these pieces fall together, it's like, wow, I never realized I didn't, didn't feel great or have this energy. Um, I feel like we could stay here all day, but I really want to pick your brain a little bit. I know as a holistic nutritionist, a lot of what you do, you work with food, you, I mean, you work with lifestyle. Um, I would love to just take a minute to kind of listen to you share about what you're looking for when you're working with clients, as far as improving nutrition and improving nutrient density, what's that journey like? And why do you think it's important? Hey friends, if you're looking for a way to gently support your body, your hormones, and just your overall well-being, then it's time to check out Agni. Agni's fertility line includes teas, seasoning mixes, and even cookies, all designed to help you feel your best and have better regulated hormones. You can head over to agniforall.com, check out the entire fertility line. It includes products for him and her. Use the code BLISSBERRYWELLNESS at checkout to save. Absolutely. So food can either be your biggest poison or your biggest medicine. And so, um, what I, the best way for me to kind of like encapsulate in the time that we have together, um, for me to best share this information to your listeners is over the years of being in a space as a gut health nutritionist, and now really focused on fertility, I have really kind of narrowed down and honed in on four kind of crucial big steps, or I like to call the four R's to help women, um, optimize nutrition to help them get pregnant. And I say this because it's really allowed me to pull. I've kind of created these four themes that I've pulled from all my experience and my knowledge, um, in the space over the last decade. And so that's what I'll kind of review with you today. So the first R is remove. We want to be removing the foods that are going to be negatively impacting our gut, impacting our body, impacting our hormones. And some of these things are probably very familiar to a lot of people already. So we'll go through them briefly. Um, but one of that, so in the remove section, uh, a big thing is lowering inflammation as much as we can. So we want to remove the inflammatory foods such as processed sugar, um, processed sugar, soy is a big one. We want to remove as well. Uh, we, if you are uh, intolerant to gluten and dairy, we want to remove those two pieces as well. But a big one is industrial seed oils. These are inflammatory oils that are used 
everywhere in restaurants to all the boxed goods, every single kind of food you see on the grocery store aisle. If you look at the nutrition label, you will see industrial seed oils, um, such as canola oil, palm oil, sunflower oil, safflower oil. All of these, um, are very, uh, oxidizing to our body inside when we consume them. And a lot of us don't really know that these things exist in our daily nutrition because we're not educated and taught to learn how to actually read labels and know what we're putting into our body. So the first one is, um, the first one is remove. And a big one I like to kind of hone in on there is the industrial seed oils. Cause I think most people, yes, no processed sugar, obviously don't eat too much processed sugar. <laughs> um, alcohol is another big one, depending on where you are and when you want to get pregnant, alcohol really does a number on your gut microbiome. We'll get to that in the third R in a moment. Um, but alcohol is another one to remove, uh, especially for you and your partner. By the way, I do want to say this doesn't just happen for the woman. Everything that I'm sharing is something that you can implement for both partners, both male and female. We could do a whole other podcast on the sperm crisis that we're currently in, but we'll mm -hmm. save that for another time. Mm -hmm. Um, so yes, everything I'm sharing is for both. Um, the second R is replace. So after we've kind of removed those noxious nutrients and substances that are impacting our gut, um, depleting our nutrient stores even more, then we need to replace it with nutrient dense fertility foods so that we can give our body the nutrients that it needs to balance our hormones, repair our gut. And, uh, the, well, those are, those are the two main, the two main ones and kind of lower that inflammation and improve our antioxidant level. Uh, so Hannah, just out of curiosity, what do you give me an idea of what food you think we would replace it with? Mm, so probably looking for something that's going to be more nutrient dense. So in my space, a lot of times that's your root vegetables. It seems like I'm seeing spoken about, um, I like some of your dark leafy greens or even maybe even tapping into some organ meats. Some people are a little bit unsure, but that can be such a nutrient powerhouse. I'm so happy you said that because I was going to get to that, <laughs> but I'm glad you brought it up and yes. not me. Organ meats are just a hidden delicacy. And I think a lot of people squirm when they hear that because we're so conditioned to be like, Ooh, it's not the muscle meat, but oh my goodness, the, the, the nutrients that you can get from organs is hands down. Some of the, the best, best. possible and the, nutrients in food and the most bioavailable. Mm -hmm. I like to call it mother nature's multivitamin because mm -hmm. you are, it's, it's a, it's a whole nutrient dense food that you're getting that is going to give you the most amount of those nutrients that your body will be more able to digest than taking potentially a synthetic supplement. Mm -hmm. So yes, you want to replace your foods with, I like to say kind of folate fiber rich foods. So the dark leafy greens, giving you lots of folate and lots of fiber. Um, we also want to, yes, include those organ meats. So those organ meats can be, I mean, liver is a really popular one. If you're really not a fan for myself, I mean, I've tried so many times to stomach these organ meats. I just I don't, for the, for me, it's the palate. I can't do it, but <laughs> it's great because we're living in a time now where we do have so many opportunities that you can actually take the organ meat in a desiccated supplement mm -hmm. where they've kind of freeze dried it, broken it down, put it in a supplement and you can pop those back and, and take those organ meats, uh, which is great. You also want to eat more fiber rich foods. So a lot of things like chia, psyllium hucks, psyllium hulls, um, and flax seeds. Um, we'll get to this in the third R when it 
comes to repair. But um, as we kind of approach that, we need to make sure that we're really having healthy bowel movements. And we want to think of fiber as the food that sweeps the digestive tract clean. If you're constipated, pooping less than one to two times a day, this can um, proliferate excess estrogen in the body. You're not getting rid of excess toxins that are, um, that are circulating in the body. So really making sure you're eating a lot of fiber rich foods to help stabilize that blood sugar and get good bowel movements. Uh, and you want to make sure to eat uh, the organ meats, the dark leafy greens, folate and the folate rich foods. I mean, on top of that healthy fats, healthy protein, uh, it's really important to make sure that you're getting adequate levels of protein. This can be challenging for a lot of women in this space. Um, and so Hannah, do you have a, what's, do you eat protein or is, is that, <laughs> or animal protein? I should say. Yes. Um, and do you find it something challenging to make sure you're getting enough every day? You know, I'm a really unique case because I have some health related dietary restrictions. And so one of the primary things I eat is animal products. So lots of eggs, um, different types of meats. Um, I do try to incorporate organs here and there as it makes sense, but yeah, a bulk of my day, good portion, not, you know, not everything, but a good portion is, is animal products, it's, it's animal products. Mm -hmm. And I so found that it's interesting because, you know, in the last few years I've had to increase that. And it's just, it's interesting to see how that it's almost like going through this shift of maybe not even realizing, Oh, I did. I didn't used to really put that much meat on my plate. I didn't really think about it, but now it's like, Oh, I, I can, I know that I feel my best if I'm including a generous portion of the animal protein. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So depending again, depending on how active you are, uh, depending on your height, your weight, you know, what your health goals might be. Uh, generally speaking, I like to say, you know, for a woman to get anywhere between like 70 to hundred grams of protein per day, that's on average, depending, mm -hmm. depending, depending. But, uh, if you actually take time, maybe for two days, just to kind of log your food and see what you're eating. Uh, I do this with a lot of my clients this is one of the first things we do when we get started, people are shocked and surprised on how little the amount of protein that they're getting. And protein is the building block of life, right? The amino acids are mm -hmm. the building blocks of protein. Yeah. And, uh, we need this for tissue repair, muscle repair, uh, just essentially repairing the body, which is it's repairing and rejuvenating right. and healing mm -hmm. every single day. So, um, the protein consumption is really, really important to make sure that you're kind of up on that as well. So replacing with those, um, protein, protein rich foods as well. And I understand that can sometimes be difficult for maybe a vegan or a vegetarian. Mm -hmm. So if that's, if that's you, then I also always highly recommend finding someone to work with to mm -hmm. make sure that you are uh, supplementing as you need to. Yeah. So that's the that's the second R and the third R is one of my, I mean, they're all my favorite, but because my first love was gut health, <laughs> um, the third R is all about repair. So we remove the noxious foods that are hindering our body. We replace it with the nutrient dense foods. And then the third R is making sure that we're eating foods that are repairing our gut because as Hippocrates said over 2000 years ago, all disease begins in the gut. And if you do not have optimal digestion, uh, you could be eating the healthiest diet in the world, but you won't necessarily be reaping the benefits of it. Mm -hmm. So we want to make sure that, uh, you know, you have a nice healed, um, small and the inside of your small intestines are, you know, nice and mucousy and they're really able to, um, assimilate the nutrients that you're putting into it. So do you know how, uh, what is your favorite food for gut health? I'm going to ask you, Hannah, it's going to mm. be like a little pop quiz 
podcast. (laughs) You know, I feel like when it comes to gut health, I don't know if I'd have a single food that would be my favorite because I, I like, I like some nuts and seeds and I like some root vegetables and, you know, I like a little of this and a little of that, that I think is all probably in combination good for gut health. Yes. <laughs> Maybe not one singular thing, uh, you know, little fermented foods over here, kind of like yeah, just, you did it, you it all said in it. And <laughs> fermented. You said it. fermented. Oh. Yes. <laughs> that's what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, Yes. Mother nature provides whole foods that are going to be beneficial for your whole body, your gut health, your brain health, your heart health. You know, one food is not only going to have one benefit to the body, right? Mm -hmm. Foods have benefits for our entire body in a lot of ways. But if we are looking specifically for um, foods that promote gut health, we think about your gut as having um, like a colony of bacteria that lives inside of it, which is known as your microbiome. Your microbiome contains inside, you have microbiomes everywhere in your nose, in your mouth, in your vagina, in your gut. We're talking about gut right now, Mm -hmm. but there's about three and a half to four and a half pounds of bacteria that make up your microbiome that lives inside of your gut. Now you both have good and bad bacteria in your gut and you don't want to eradicate all the bad and only have good. We need to have what's called a symbiosis relationship between the two and not what's called a dysbiosis relationship. So we want to have that healthy balance to good to bad bacteria. Most of us kind of veer on the side or the edge of having more bad and less good because maybe stress, antibiotics, medications, alcohol, whatever we've done in our past, in our twenties with our, you know, binge eating and drinking and sugar and all that stuff we do when we're young and careless, (laughs) (laughs) um, being on birth control pill, all of this stuff can impact your gut microbiome. So, uh, a great way to kind of improve your gut health is just to eat more probiotic rich foods. Probiotic rich foods come from fermented foods. What is your favorite fermented food? I'm curious. Mm. Oh, I have a hard time picking, you know, lately I've been doing water kefir and I really like water kefir. So that's kind of just something different to, to add things in. I used to ferment a lot. I don't currently, that's probably partially a repercussion of having small children. And so they really yes. just isn't as much time in the day, but, um, I love a really good homemade Bavarian sauerkraut. So when you add in the caraway seed with oh, the cabbage, favorite. that one, it's my number one favorite sauerkraut variety that I have ever made. Oh my goodness. I unfortunately don't have any in the cabinet or in the fridge right now. And now I'm thinking about it. <laughs> You'll just find some at the grocery store. I know I have some at the grocery <laughs> store around here. I also used to make um, my own my own fermented foods, but they're kind of like children themselves. They, they really are. Yeah, they they require quite a bit of attention, yes. and if you don't have the right space, they can kind of smell a little bit. So, <laughs> yeah, my husband definitely has gotten on me in the past about, hey, your your little farm there is getting a yeah. lot of hand. You need to rein it in, and I'm like, oh, okay, too many scobies, too yeah. many scobies. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so if you, so fermented foods have naturally occurring probiotics and digestive, digestive enzymes in there that will, um, help you digest your food, um, and promote that, 
uh, symbiosis, that healthy uh, ratio of good to bad bacteria in the gut. So um, fermented foods is a good one. Bone broth, chicken or beef bone broth mm-hmm. is really, really good. It has a lot of gelatin and collagen in it, which is very good for healing the mucosal lining of the small intestine. So it's also really good for healing the gut. Um, there's L-glutamine. There's a whole bunch of supplements that you can take to support the gut lining, but a lot of women, um, I've had a couple of clients myself have gut infections, mm-hmm. overgrowth of candida, which then gives them really high food sensitivities. So there's a lot of ways that your gut can kind of manifest in the fertility space when you're trying to get pregnant through gut infections. So it's really important to make sure that you take some time to hone in on the gut, making sure that you're uh, eating gut promoting foods and supporting whatever you need to, to kind of make sure your gut is nice and balanced. So that's why I chose, uh, the repair, we need to make sure we will repair the gut lining so that we can really assimilate the foods that we are eating. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And if I just, you don't mind, I want to just highlight here something you said, Yes, um, you mentioned that we really have to have our guts functioning optimally able to use the nutrients. And that's something that I, it's something I say a lot. So I'm kind of just pulling it out because I feel like it's such a big point. And I, I, we just have to remember that we can be eating this great diet, but if our guts are not functioning the the way that they're really supposed to, we're only going to be getting a fraction of the nutrients that we potentially could be. And so I think that's just to make the case for gut. Because a lot of times we want to segregate, oh, but it's not fertility. This is a reason why gut health matters. And and addressing that when you're trying to conceive really makes a difference. Okay. Yeah, I'm done with no, my PSA. Go right ahead. That's okay. That's great. The more that we can both kind of share our um our our like-mindedness, the mm-hmm. more that it's just kind of drilled into not drilled, but like, yeah. you know, reinforced, yes, reinforced yes. for, for us to, for anybody listening to remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last one is rebalance. So after we've removed, then we've replaced, we've repaired the gut or we're, everything kind of happens simultaneously. These aren't necessarily linear steps that happen exactly one in front of the other, but, um, the last one is then to rebalance your hormones. Mm-hmm. You want to eat foods to rebalance the hormones. And I could, this could be a podcast in and of itself because I can talk about how to eat for your menstrual cycle. But, um, just because of the time that we have, I want to focus and hone in on one particular principle that everyone and anyone should be doing to help balance their hormones, um, with, uh, with eating. And that is balance your blood sugar. I know it sounds so, so simple, but I promise you it will make the world of a difference when you actually know and learn how to balance your blood sugar throughout the day with the foods that you eat. Uh, Hannah, what is your favorite way to balance your blood sugar? I guess what's the, what's number, what's one thing that you, that you would share about how, how to balance blood sugar? Yeah. You know, I think really paying attention to what you're putting on your plate um, you know, for me, I noticed that if I'm not in the morning, starting the day with a breakfast that's intentionally put together, I can feel it the rest of the day that my blood sugar just never quite recovers. And so it's like going into the day, not with this intention of obsessing over what I'm eating, but to, to be mindful about, okay, I know that if I'm going to feel good and I'm not going to have that blood sugar crash and have to reach for the snacks and, you know, an hour and 20 minutes, I need to be putting, you know, at least this amount of eggs on my plate and at least this amount of uh, fat source. And I need to be finding a good carbohydrate. That's going to be gentle, you know, putting those yes. pieces together from the time I wake up. That's my, for me, that's the biggest one that I have to start with. 
I love it. So you, you hit two points. Um, mm-hmm. the first one is having breakfast. Mm-hmm. So yes, having breakfast upon waking, usually within 30 to 60 minutes, I always recommend we wake up in a fasted and dehydrated state. So the first thing we should be putting in our mouth in the morning, other than maybe your toothbrush to brush your mm-hmm. teeth is a nice big glass of lemon water as mm-hmm. hydration. So if you are like a coffee first kind of person, please, like, I'm not saying you need to remove coffee, be strategic on when you're going to consume it. Hydrate first with water in the morning, water and lemon. I always recommend the lemon piece just to kind of help flush out the liver from all the cleansing that it did throughout the night. It stimulates the digestive juices to get your digestive going. Then having a, so breakfast was the first point you hit. And then the second point that you hit was um, making sure that those meals are balanced. So making sure that you are including a complex carbohydrate uh, with a a protein and a fat source in one meal. So like avocado toast with uh, a egg on top with like a side of berries is a brilliant breakfast. Uh, if you want to do a big protein smoothie with protein powder and a tablespoon or so of nut butter, you can get in your chia seeds in there, get in your, your fruit, uh, you're getting your fat, your protein, your carbs, maybe throw in a little bit of turmeric or ginger to give it a little anti-inflammatory punch. Um, but there's a lot of different ways that you can kind of put together these healthy balanced meals. So balancing your blood sugar is eat within one hour of waking, um, make sure every meal and snack is balanced. So protein and fat with a carb source. Um, and then if you're going to have your coffee, have the coffee after your breakfast or during, because coffee is also, it's a stimulant naturally. It is also an appetite suppressant. So if you have coffee first, everyone's like, no, Nora, I'm really not hungry for breakfast. Well, what happens when you actually don't drink coffee? Oh my gosh, all of a sudden you're hungry. So, so coffee will give you a false sense of fullness as well. So wait for the coffee after the fact. And then I'd say eat every about three to four hours, again, depending on your activity level and how much you've eaten in the previous meal or snack. Uh, this preparing for pregnancy is not a time to go like on these crazy fat diets and start doing all this fasting or doing juice cleanses. Um, you know, there may be places for that depending on the individual and what they're dealing with specifically in their health. But again, generally speaking, uh, balancing your blood sugar is like number, number, number one, um, for your mood, your sleep, your energy, your fertility, all of the above. So Mm. those are my few points on how to, uh, on, on quick things that you can start implementing right away with, um, uh, balancing your blood sugar to rebalance your hormones, which then brings us to, yeah, four R's remove, replace, repair, and rebalance. Mm, yeah, it's a very cohesive plan. I like it. <laughs> and I think, you know, a lot, it's like we live in this cultural norm where everybody's constantly on a blood sugar high and low. Yes. And I think that there is such, you know, a lot of times too, and like talking to people, oh, but I, I just can't get through the day without my sugary beverage or my, my Coke or my, my afternoon candy or whatever it is. And I think that there's so much of a freedom once you do get your blood sugar under balance, because you suddenly realize, wow, for so long, I've just been kind of riding the highs and lows, but actually I can be, make these better decisions because now I don't feel bad or like in a, in a rush to just shove food in my mouth. And so I think that's really liberating too. Um, just to, just to kind of add there. Yeah. Which is why it kind of goes back to our point at the beginning, when we were talking about, um, your healthiest self is your most fertile self. So once Mm -hmm. you implement all of these things that you could do anyways, on a general day-to-day basis, just for your overall health, by natural consequence, you're going to improve your fertility, which Mm -hmm. is like a big check mark and bonus. Um, but you're going to feel so empowered and good 
along the way as you start making these changes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, Nora, if someone's listening, they've listened to your four-hour program, they're intrigued, but they really want to have some more expertise guiding them through each step of the way, where do they go to connect with you? Yeah. So you can find me at naturallynora.ca, www. That's my website. Um, and uh, I have a five-month one-on-one program that I take my my one-on-one clients through to help them prepare for pregnancy. You can also find me on Instagram, naturally underscore Nora. Um, I do have a free guide, which is uh, learning how to eat for your menstrual cycle. It um, teaches you kind of what you need to eat um, in each week of your cycle. Uh, if you're interested in that, you can download that at www.naturallynora.ca backslash eat. Uh, and you'll get that guide directly in your inbox. And I also have a podcast, the ultimate pregnancy prep podcast, sharing all of this wonderful knowledge as well, because I'm like you, Hannah, just like obsessed (laughs) would want to shout and scream all of this on the top of the rooftop for everybody for me to hear so that we can all just make better choices. Mm -hmm. Well, (laughs) we'll include links to all of that in the show notes. So if that is something that you are ready to take the next step with, um, any of the things Nora mentioned, just scroll down wherever you're listening, you'll find all those links that'll take you very conveniently there. So Nora, thanks for taking the time to really just dive into all this today. This has just been really a wealth of knowledge and I've just enjoyed listening to you share um, your deep passion and clearly just so well informed on fertility and gut health and, you know, the whole wellness. (laughs) And thank you for participating and, and, and answering my questions. So it was a little bit more of an engaging conversation as opposed to just me talking at you. So that was great. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, um, with that, I just want to thank you all for listening. Um, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss the next episode. And with that, we're just going to sign off for today and we'll be back soon with more great information. Bye for now. Thank you. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and we'll give you a shout out in an upcoming episode.